It's Friday, February 8th. I'm Oscar Ramirez in Los Angeles, and this is The Daily Dive. The line came from President Trump during the State of the Union address. If there is going to be peace and legislation, there cannot be war and investigation. But that is exactly what is ramping up. While the Mueller probe may be winding down, Democrats are starting to look into Trump's taxes and business dealings. And another investigation is looking into money that came into the president's inaugural committee. Daniel Lippman, reporter for Politico, joins us to break down all the new investigations. Next, a crazy story about 23-year-old Tommy Masters, who moved to California from Indiana to make it big in the cannabis industry. What happened to her, however, was tragic and still unresolved. She met a hacker who introduced her to the dark world of digital manipulation and fear, and it all led to her death. She was found floating in a river in the Philippines. Now, the two men who are suspects in her death, her hacker boyfriend, and another hacker who started the UG Nazi hacktivist group are due in court soon. Davy Alba, reporter for BuzzFeed News, joins us for this wild story. It's news without the noise. Let's dive in. Our job involves making sure that the policy of the United States is being driven by the national interest, uh, not by any financial entanglement, financial leverage, or other form of compromise. No other politician has to go through that. It's called presidential harassment, and it's unfortunate, and it really does hurt our country. Joining us now is Daniel Littman, co-author of The Political Playbook. It happened at the State of the Union. The president said this line. An economic miracle is taking place in the United States. And the only thing that can stop it are foolish wars, politics, or ridiculous partisan investigations. If there is going to be peace and legislation, there cannot be war and investigation. It just doesn't work that way. And things have heated up on the investigation side. Uh, obviously, we have the Mueller probe going on, which a lot of people think is winding down. But then there's uh, two other things going on. There's an investigation into the president's inauguration committee. They're taking a deep look into the money there. And then the Democrats are also starting to focus on the president's tax returns and money that has been coming in and out of his businesses. The big thing is, even if the president gets a pass on Mueller's probe, he's going to be facing prolonged exposure from these new investigations that could last for months. So just constant, constant investigations. Let's start with the Democrats' new investigation into his money. What do we know about that? Democrats are trying to get a hold of Trump's tax returns to see where exactly has Trump been getting all this money because he is not that cash rich and not that liquid. And so he may have lots of loans out. But a lot of banks in New York have refused to lend to the Trump organization for many years because he would default and he declared bankruptcy a number of times. And so he went to Deutsche Bank, which turned him down for a loan during the campaign. And also he may have used Russian banks. And so Democrats want to get to the bottom of all this. That's pretty curious because the uh, chairman of the House Intelligence Committee, Adam Schiff, resurrected their version of the Russia probe, basically. But he said it was expanded. They wanted to look at all the money, all the stuff that was flowing through. And the Washington Post back in May had revealed that the president's company spent more than $400 million in cash on new properties. 
14 transactions that were paid for in full without borrowing money from banks, just as you were saying. People are curious, where does all this money come from? What's going on with that? Where he got that money from? And then if there's any influence there. That's a big question of Democrats is whether Trump's foreign policy, especially, has been influenced by foreign actors who he's in debt to or who gave him cash. It's pretty remarkable when you're talking about the president of the United States and whether he had gotten lots of money from foreign people who did not disclose it in filing. A lot of people would pay cash for Trump properties in terms of condos in New York and Florida and all around the world. And so that's a big concern that Democrats are you know, saying. They're saying that they were elected to find this out in part and they have subpoena power now to try to make that happen. The other big investigation comes from the U.S. Attorney's Office for the Southern District of New York. They're looking into the inaugural committee again for money. The inaugural committee raised $106.7 million, which was double the previous record set by President Obama for 2009. And there's tons of questions on where that money came from and if there's any influence there again. They are looking at possible crimes of conspiracy against the U.S., mail fraud, wire fraud, money laundering, violations of laws prohibiting contributions by foreign nations and contributions there. Basically, they were thinking maybe people were paying vendors directly, who knows, in exchange for gifts or in exchange for favors later. So that's one of the other big investigations into money surrounding the president. That's a huge topic. People close to Trump, they say that the Southern District of New York that their investigations are more serious than the one that he faces from Mueller's side because SDNY is really focused on the Trump organization and any fraud or crimes that were committed. And, you know, with this new look at the inauguration, the inauguration was kind of a crazy time in Washington and everyone was trying to influence the new president and they were under orders to try to meet with as many people and influence Jared and Michael Flynn and all of the top people around Trump. And so it's kind of a, a conduit for money to be given to the organization that might be dirty. And so that's a real concern. And you can't really, you know, foreign money would be a bit of a no-no. And so we want to make sure that all the laws were followed. Yeah. I mean, this one's going to be pretty crazy. The person who figures prominently into this is Rick Gates, who's been, uh, you know, indicted uh, under Mueller, but he was heavily uh, involved in the fundraising and planning work with the inaugural committee. So he's already in trouble for some other stuff. He's going to be a figure in this one. I mean, it's going to be crazy to see how these investigations develop. For his part, the president has continued to say this is all a witch hunt, saying that the Democrats and their committees are going nuts. He's yeah. mad that Adam Schiff has hired people from that, the National Security Council who are familiar with uh, trying to track down money and where it comes from. So the president is feeling the pressure right now. Yeah. And, you know, he lashed out at Democrats uh, and the investigations today, I think, on Twitter. And so he's really on edge. But he also feels like, you know, the border wall, that's his other pet peeve. And so, you know, he has to divide up his Twitter time, I guess, between the two. Yeah, it's amazing time right now. Daniel Lippman, co-author of the Politico Playbook. Thank you very much for joining us. Thanks for having me. Is your New Year's resolution to get a new job? Then it's time to get to know Express Employment Professionals. Your local Express office is your connection to a new job. You can even complete your application over the phone. 
Express prepares job seekers for interviews and has relationships with businesses to find you a job. Job seekers never pay any fees at Express, and each year, more than half a million people find work through Express. Find a location near you at ExpressPros.com or download the Express Jobs app. One Express associate, Ian, said, I began my job search online while finishing my undergrad degree. I applied for an electrical job and was asked to come in for an interview with Express. I interviewed for the job the next week and then started later at a new job as a panel builder. Ultimately, I was offered a full-time position with an Express client company, and I truly enjoyed all aspects of my job, the work, the coworkers, and the pay. I owe this opportunity to Express, and I want to thank Express. Don't go it alone any longer in your job search. Get to know Express. Visit ExpressPros.com or download the Express Jobs app. There was a robbery. He was essentially held up. His stuff was rifled through, and they were both really scared by that incident. They didn't really know who it was, but suspected that it was someone who had seen the thousands of dollars in his Bitcoin wallet. And Tommy ended up going to someone she knew connected to the dispensary who supposedly had criminal connections and asked for a gun that didn't have any serial number. Joining us now is Davey Alba, senior technology reporter for BuzzFeed News. We got a really interesting story about uh, Bitcoin, Snapchat, drugs and death. It's the story of Tommy Masters. She was a 23 year old from Indiana. She moved to California. Big dreams of making it in the weed industry. And she met a hacker who, I mean, really fed her so many lies and kind of introduced her into this weird dark world that he was operating in. One thing led to another, and she ended up floating in a river in the Philippines. It's a long story. We'll kind of describe who the main players are. It would be Tommy Masters. It would be her boyfriend, TJ Woody. And then this other hacker named Mir Islam, who seemed to be the puppeteer for Woody all along. Let's start with the characters. Uh, Talk to us about Tommy Masters. Tommy Masters had grown up in Indiana and had moved to California to try to strike it big in the cannabis industry. And a lot of people want to be around weed when they work in dispensaries, things like that. But she actually was pretty ambitious. She wanted to help people. It had helped her pot, had helped her gain weight, had helped her with anxiety. And so she wanted to do the same for other people. And she would spend a lot of time talking to her customers, trying to get a sense of what exactly they were trying to address. And that was her inspiration for being in this business. Yeah, by all accounts, Um, she was ambitious mm -hmm. and and really wanted to succeed in the industry. Mm -hmm. And and even in the dispensary where she was working, she made friends with the other people there, the owner. and, Mm -hmm. And they all became very good friends and really cared for her. She was very close with her boss, who is one of our sources, and gave us the account of how she met TJ Woody. He was as close to her as almost like family. She had dated his younger brother, and they had moved in together, but it didn't work out. This is Sean Masters, by the way, who was her boss at this dispensary in California. And after they broke up, because she had chosen to stay in California and keep pursuing her career and she loved her life there, you know, she ended up Snapchatting with someone who claimed to be her favorite artist. Mac Miller. Yeah. I mean, right away, obviously, uh, celebrities and stars, they have their own private accounts and everything, but Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, you mm -hmm. always got to meet these things with a level of skepticism of like, Mm -hmm. 
All of a sudden, right. Mac Miller is Snapchatting me out of nowhere. She goes into this whole thing. I want to meet. The account is saying, let's meet. Mm-hmm. Seems to be legit, although there's never been any pictures of Mac Miller's face yep. on there. But but she's believing it. And then, you know, she's in town and she wants to make something of herself. And so she wants to go for it. Come to find out that when she finally goes to meet Mac Miller through this Snapchat contact, it's not him. I think yeah. we could all kind of tell that it, that's what, what it was going to be. It was actually TJ Woody. Let's take a step back real quick and describe who TJ Woody is now. TJ Woody is a young hacker. He had been embroiled in this world from when he was a very young man, a young boy, really. And there was actually a bust on him and his friends off credit card stealing operation. But he was a minor at the time, so it's unclear whether he actually went to juvenile detention. So he had been wrapped up in this world for a long time and had this older friend named Mirazam, who by all accounts was able to manipulate him, where he was quite brash and bold in the internet world. In real life, he was really excruciatingly shy. And so when Tommy met him at the Dave and Buster's in Hollywood, actually, he had asked Eric Taylor, who was another hacker in their circle, to accompany him and to, you know, sort of ease the introduction into the situation, which was catfishing. Right. He had lied to Tommy. TJ Woody was, like you said, just this kind of unassuming guy, but he had been wrapped up in this hacking group for a long time. It was this other guy, Mir Islam, who even recruited him when he was, I think, 13 years old. And they became part of this group, the Underground Nazi Hacktivist Group, UG Nazi Mm -hmm. for short. I mean, they were all very big in the news in the early 2010s. They were swatting a bunch of people. They were stealing thousands of credit card numbers. They were publishing the personal information of dozens of people from Donald Trump to Jay-Z. So I remember hearing about this hacking group back in the day. Mm -hmm. And it seems that this guy, Mir Islam, I don't know if he was the original founder of the group, But he was the one recruiting people, and uh, he himself has a shady history. He went to jail over the course of seven years, in and out, for a lot of this hacker stuff, stealing credit cards, fake identity things. And so these are three main players. Going back to it, Tommy Masters met TJ Woody at the Dave & Buster's. Even Uh though he was catfishing her, they kind of hit it off. And she said she, she said she had a fun date and they became boyfriend and girlfriend. And then this is where things really started to get weird because he's a hacker. He, this is what he does. He's Mm -hmm. on the internet all the time doing shady things. And she got Mm -hmm. brought into this world. Unassumingly what happened? They became boyfriend and girlfriend and she had always been a really reliable employee at this dispensary, but she started missing work and one day turned into weeks and then she stopped responding to her phone. Her boss was really annoyed with her from the work standpoint, but they were all really good friends and he was worried about her. He had always been suspicious of this man who had catfished her and lied to her and how she might end up actually wanting to be in a relationship with him. So TJ Woody had already been in this sort of precarious world, and he had met Mirazan when they were much younger. Mir had been in jail for about seven years, and in the meantime, he had reformed himself from that early bust on those stolen credit card numbers. He had reformed himself and tried to make himself into a kind of social media influencer and had this Bitcoin wallet that had hundreds of thousands of dollars that he would show to everyone who he met. One day, he and his girlfriend, Tommy, were just at where they were living with a friend, and there was a robbery. He was essentially held up. His stuff was 
rifled through and they were both really scared by that incident. They didn't really know who it was, but suspected that it was someone who had seen the thousands of dollars in his Bitcoin wallet. And Tommy ended up going to uh, someone she knew connected to the dispensary who uh, supposedly had criminal connections and asked for a gun that didn't have any serial numbers. And her boss was really shocked to hear that that had happened. Soon after, they left the country to go to the Philippines and hide away from whoever had broken into the apartment they were living in. Let's fast forward wind the story a little bit. Tommy Masters' body ended up being found in a box in a a Mm -hmm. river in the Philippines. They Mm -hmm. fled over there to get away from it all. It was supposed to be kind of a vacation for them just to reset. And all the details get really murky from there. TJ Woody was there with Mir Islam. They are the two that are purportedly loaded the box into a rideshare van, stopped by the river, dumped the box out, claiming it was just Mm -hmm. garbage. Very soon after that, like the next day, they were both caught and arrested. You guys there at BuzzFeed had a chance to speak to both TJ Woody and Mir Islam with jailhouse interviews. What happened and what did they say? What were their defenses? Troy Woody had followed Mir Islam, who was in the Philippines for supposedly a business, but we don't really know for sure. Other accounts say they were sort of just partying while they were there. He and his girlfriend, Tommy, started having these explosive fights. She ended up killed, and as you said, her body was put into a box and dumped in the Pasig River in the Philippines. We were able to catch up with TJ and Mir at the Mandaluyong City Jail, and both of them had stories that were really preposterous and pointed the finger at each other. Woody said that he was at the mall when his girlfriend had been killed, but it wasn't clear how he knew that she had been killed, and he said he didn't know what he was loading into the rideshare car. He just knew that he loaded it onto the vehicle and dumped it out. And it must have been the other person who uh, was carrying the box who had anything to do with the murder. And the other person was Mir Islam. Right away, mm-hmm. that's a thin defense. So the next person, Mir Islam, he's also a person of attention on this. He said that he had known TJ for many years and TJ had asked him to come to his apartment to help him move. The story was that his girlfriend had suddenly moved to Amsterdam and he needed to clear out of this Airbnb that he had been renting. So when he showed up, there was this box that he was supposedly filling with quote-unquote garbage, and TJ asked him to wait outside while he finished packing, and afterwards, he asked for help dumping the box into the river, the supposed garbage, and pointed the finger back at his friend. But weirdly, while they were in jail together, the officers that we spoke with at the Mandaluyong City Jail also said that they heard laughing and chatting between the two of them in their shared cell. And so it's really kind of a mysterious relationship. All of this happened just this past December around Christmas time. In the end, there was no blood found on Tommy Master's body and there was no weird wounds there. They do think that she died of asphyxiation, possibly by plastic or a pillow. Those things are still unclear. TJ Woody and Mir Islam are in jail right now. And I think, I guess they're still awaiting trial. End this all for us. Where are we at? Nobody knows truly what happened to Tommy Masters. These two guys are in jail awaiting trial right now. In so many ways, it's not really a satisfying ending to the story. Tommy, there was a six-week delay in bringing her ashes back home to her parents because of the government shutdown. These two men are sitting in jail in 
the Philippines waiting for trial. The arraignment is actually next week, and we'll see whether they plead guilty or innocent to this crime. And in the absence of Tommy's ashes, there were two ceremonies held in her honor, one at the dispensary she worked at and one in Indiana. And the people were just exchanging stories about her life and how she had helped them in her lifetime. And this weird juxtaposition of all of these stories are so sad and so true while she had been conned into this yeah. world of lies and deceit and followed all the way to the Philippines. Thank you very much for joining us. Davy Alba, senior technology reporter for BuzzFeed News. Thank you so much for having me. That's it for today. Join us on social media at Daily Dive Pod on Twitter and Daily Dive Podcast on Facebook. Leave us a comment, give us a rating, and tell us the stories that you're interested in. Follow us on iHeartRadio or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. The Daily Dive is produced by Miranda Moreno and engineered by Tony Sorrentino. I'm Oscar Ramirez, and this was your Daily Dive.